It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Titans. I'm Jimmy Morris, joined as always by Terry Lambert. Terry, how are you tonight? Doing pretty good. What's up, man? Not too much. Tonight we are also joined by our friend Justin Mello. He is at M underscore NFL on Twitter. Uh, does writing for us at MuseumMiracles.com. Uh, also USA Today and all that good stuff. The man that's out there interviewing. Seems like, I don't know, how many, how many, how many guys are you going to end up interviewing before this is all said? <laughs> I'm hoping to end up at about, probably about 100. I'm at about 93 right now, so. There you go, that's crazy. That's incredible. So, uh, uh, Justin Mello, uh, in case you didn't know, uh, join us. Thanks so much for coming on with us tonight to break down all things Titans in the draft. Yeah, thanks for having me, boys. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get started, I remind you, as always, we're at MuseumMiracles.com, where we cover the Titans for SB Nation. So you can check us out there. You can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at JMorrisMCM. Terry's at T Lambert TN. Get the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Just search out Locked on Titans, and you will find us there. All right, so I guess just starting off, we'll go just a little bit general uh, Titans draft needs, kind of how you see that breaking out. I, my opinion is that John Robinson did a really nice job in free agency of, you know, at least plugging the holes a little bit at the positions of need that they had. So now he does, he's not, you know, pigeonholed into where he has to take a certain position in round one. Uh, but with all that being said, what do you see as maybe the Titans' top three draft needs as they head into this draft? Yeah, I'd agree with you on that, by the way. I think Robinson did a great job sort of, uh, you know, not backing himself into a corner where he has to take a position. Uh, top three needs for me have pretty much been consistently the same throughout this process. You know, edge rusher still think they need a guy uh, long-term opposite Landry. think that's very important. Um, interior offensive line, of course, especially with the release of Josh Klein, they obviously have to find a starter at right guard and a wide receiver as well. Um, you know, try to find someone opposite Corey Davis that can start on the outside. You know, to kind of build on the point you mentioned, you know, those three positions were, you know, were addressed in terms of, you know, signing Adam Humphreys, obviously, who's going to operate out of the slot, uh, signing Roger Saffold, who's going to take over for Quentin Spain at left guard, and signing Cameron Wake, who can sort of, you know, play a limited but effective role. So just as you said, those three additions right there sort of ensure that Robinson doesn't have to grab any one position, but I think those three are probably still the biggest needs on the team right now. I'm going to get this one out of the way early. Um, and, and kind of ask you where you stand on the great tight end debate. No. Uh, Jimmy's favorite topic, uh, yeah. Noah Fant. I think Dan Kadar had, had Noah Fant go, going to the Titans at 19 this week. Just drives Jimmy insane. You know, me too. Uh, not quite to the extent of Jimmy, but where do you stand on the tight end debate? Is that even on your radar at 19? Uh, well, you're probably not going to like my answer then. Uh, I think, you know what, I, I'm not ruling it out. It's not my favorite position. It's not my favorite, uh, you know, uh, position to mock to the Titans at 19. But, I, you know, I, I kind of operate, I try to make it simple. I think a lot of times we overthink the draft and we overthink certain uh, position of needs. I think the Titans have to get better on offense, period, first and foremost. Uh, whether that's through receiver, whether that's through offensive line, you know, or through tight end. If they see Fant or if they see Hawkinson as a guy, that's going to make the offense a lot better going forward, if it's going to make it dynamic, then, you know, I can totally understand. If, if, those, if one of those guys is, in their opinion, the best player available, you know, if one of them is number, you know, eight on their board and they're available at 19, then that makes a lot of sense. You know, for me, Fant is a guy 
who is basically a receiver. <laughs> he's a tight end that you know, but he's operating. Sorry, he's a he's a tight end. Sorry, he's a wide receiver in a tight end's body is what I'm trying to say here. Um, I'm a big fan of his game. I think he's very dynamic. I think he's going to be a very tough cover at the next level. I don't think safeties and linebackers can handle him one-on-one. I think he's going to cause havoc in the passing game. Hawkinson's obviously a little more of an all-around guy. You know, whether they ask him to do things in the run game, you know, he's a terrific blocker on tape. He's also pretty dynamic, tested incredibly well, and uh, he's a good pass catcher. So I think if either of those guys are on the board at 19, if the Titans are super high on them, I think either one of those players makes them better on offense. So I can totally understand the argument for, for one of those two guys. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I hear what you're saying. I do. Um, and, and I think, you know, a lot of people have tried to compare it to the Taylor Lewan pick a few years back when they had Michael Roos. Um, you, you know, he didn't need a left tackle that year. To me, it's different because, you know, they've got a couple of guys. I understand Delaney's getting older. But they've got a couple of guys, Delaney and John o. Smith. I mean, we've been over this a million times. Um, I, just, I, I, can't, I, I just can't see a world where they pick somebody at 19 that is going to have trouble getting on the field. And I think with what we saw from Janu last year, you know, Delaney coming back, I, I just think it would be hard for a rookie tight end to get up to speed. Now they're using a wide receiver, all that stuff. I also don't really understand picking a guy and then changing position. I don't know. Anyway, that, that whole thing, we, we've, we've been over that kind of ad nauseum. Um, you've done a few mock drafts. We've looked at a bunch of them. We were kind of a part of two, locked on. Uh, the whole network did a, did a mock draft, and then I did one with SB Nation writers. And in both of those drafts, when the Titans were on the board at 19, um, Fant was there, as was DK Metcalf, which I thought was interesting. Um, but to me, it seemed like, you know, all those edge rushers that, that you think of, you know, all the, all the guys that are, you know, the top of the draft guys, they were all off the board. And so to me, in both of those, both of those mocks, the, the smart pick was Garrett Bradbury because – you know, the Titans, need, like you said, they need an interior offensive lineman. They need a guy that can come in and start. Um, it just seemed like, one, it seemed like it, it would be a spot where John Robinson would love to trade back from. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that. But interior offensive line seemed to make the most sense there. If the draft plays out that way where all those edge rushers are gone, how do you have the top, you know, two or three interior offensive linemen ranked in this draft? Well, I think it depends, I guess, who you think's an interior offensive lineman. There's sort of a lot of debate there, uh, especially with some of the top guys on who's a tackle and, and who's a guard. You know, Jonah Williams, for example. If, he, you know, if you count him as an interior offensive lineman, then he's the best class. Uh, for me, Dalton Reisner, if you count Reisner as an interior offensive lineman, he would be second for me. Now, that's a guy that I personally think can play right tackle. Kind of see him similar to Conklin coming out. I think there's some questions about the foot speed, which is probably the concern on whether or not he's going to hold up at tackle. So, for example, if he's an interior guy, then he would be second on my board behind Williams. Uh, Again, but those are kind of two question marks. Bradbury I have is the best pure interior offensive lineman. You know, there's no question whether or not he's going to play outsider on the interior. He's a center all day long. Uh, Cody Ford, that's another guy. Is he a tackle? Is he a guard? Right? If he's he's a a guard, then he's the fourth best on, on my board behind Williams uh, Reisner and Bradbury, and then you also have um, Chris Lindstrom, who again is obviously no question is clearly an interior offensive lineman. That's a guy I think the Titans are going to have, you know, they're going to like him, and they have done a lot of homework on him, and it's easy for them to know him well. We we all know about all the connections uh, between Boston College and Tennessee, with you know obviously Vrabel's son playing at Boston College, uh, Frank Periano, former strength and conditioning coach at BC, now with the Titans. So Lindstrom's a guy they're going to know very very well. 
Uh, that's a guy that wouldn't surprise me at 19, to be honest with you. If those, as you mentioned, if a couple of those Ed Rogers are off the board, then I think a Lidstrom or Bradbury makes a lot of sense. But it really depends how the board falls. I really think the Titans are going to have a lot of options at 19. I really do. Even if a Brian Burns is gone or a Montez Sweat or an Ed Oliver, I think you see a situation where a Reisner could be there or a Bradbury, a Lindstrom, a Christian Wilkins, uh, Claylin Farrell from Clemson. So I really, you know, and if they do want to go receiver out, maybe DK is there. You know, they brought in Hollywood Brown for a visit today. They obviously like him. So I really think they're going to have a ton of options. And like you said, they're not pigeonholed into one position. They don't don't have to draft one position at 19, which is a, a good situation to be in for them. Let's stick on the offensive line here and really dive into uh, Lindstrom versus Bradbury. Uh, Obviously, there's an opening at the right guard spot on this offensive line. Uh, Maybe Ben Jones kicks over to guard if you want to play Bradbury at center. Uh, Compare and contrast their games. Uh, How are they similar? How are they different? And what can they bring to the Titans? Well, I think when you start with Bradbury, first and foremost, I think he's a great fit from a scheme perspective. He's obviously someone that, uh, you know, sort of has put a lot on tape when it comes to that uh, with that zone type scheme that uh, NC State ran there. So I think he makes a lot of sense from a day one fit and a scheme perspective. I think his main issue is with power. He didn't seem to handle it all that well. So I think that would be the main question with him is how does he hold up um, in in, in the passing game? Is he someone who's going to get overpowered? By defensive tackles, is he someone who's going to struggle um, just in general when it comes to the passing? Obviously, you know, last year they allowed a lot of pressure up the middle, and that's something they obviously, you know, and I think that played a huge role in, in getting Marcus hurt. That's something I think that can happen, obviously, again. So that that's the big question around him. How does he hold up in the passing game? I don't think there's a question about him in the running game. He's fantastic. Um, Boston College, you know, very different offense that Lindstrom is coming from, from, from where Bradbury's coming from, you know. They kind of have a heavy play action. They do a lot of rollouts. It was very much not a, uh, not a traditional passing offense there. So, so it made it a little harder to evaluate him. But, you know, when they did run a couple of those traditional passing plays, you know, I thought he had an excellent anchor. I thought he held up against power very, very well. So I think that's where he differs from, from Bradbury. I don't really have questions about Lindstrom's ability to anchor. I don't have questions about him handling interior defensive linemen at the next level. I think he's strong enough. I think he's quick enough. He gets off the ball in a hurry, and uh, he does well in the run game as well. So I think they're similar in the run game. I think Lindstrom might be a little better in pass pro, though. All right, coming up, we will get a little bit more into the wide receivers in this draft. Matt Williamson brings the scouts' perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast. You got to talk 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson, but the lowest completion percentage other than Josh Rosen. He's just been a complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play. Yeah, I just want to throw a couple nuggets out on Allen, and I know he's a lot bigger, a lot stronger, but he kind of reminds me of early career RG3. What's kind of remarkable about Allen is he is so gifted, and he got better, I thought, this past year, which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws. But his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so I'd like your opinion on DK Metcalf. He seems to be a little bit of a polarizing prospect here. 
Um, obviously, you know, he went to combine and absolutely torched some of those workouts. Was a little bit, you know, lackluster in others. We've all seen the pictures. You know, he looks like he's but like a transformer. Um, but like I said, in, in, the, in these two mocks that, that we've done, he was still on the board at 19. One, would you be surprised if he's there at 19? And, and kind of how do you evaluate him at the next level? Yeah, I would be surprised if DK's on the board at 19. I don't expect that to be the case. I just think guys who are built like he is, you know, I think he's, what, 6'4", 225, you know, the, four, the 40 time that he run. I don't think guys like that make it to 19. Someone will get real excited about the potential and take him early. Uh, my evaluation on him, I've been very high on him throughout the entire process. I was very high on him when I put the tape on way before he blew up the combine. This is someone who really impressed me on tape. I know people have a lot of concerns with, now, he wasn't the most productive receiver on his team. He was hurt. Well, if you go back and watch that Ole Miss offense, it's not good enough considering the players they had. I mean, you got three receivers there that are probably going to get drafted all in the top 100. Certainly two of them are going top 50 in DK and A.J. Brown. They got a tight end, Dawson Knox, who's an incredible, you know, in my opinion, a very good tight end prospect and didn't score a touchdown. So I, I had a big problem with the way they were used in that passing game. I don't think you can, I don't think this is a player or a team that you could just scout the box score and say, why wasn't he more productive? Because when you put the tape on, there's a lot of reasons there. I, you know, I didn't think the QB was very good. I know he's a prospect in this class. I didn't think the passing offense was really good. I mean, I interviewed A.J. Brown, and I hate to, to knock a guy for something he told me in an interview. I'm not knocking him. When I asked him about Ole Miss's offense, he told me, we had plays called get open, where we would just kind of run and do our own thing and try to get open. That's not an offense. I mean, like, like I, you know, I'm not going to hold a guy who wasn't very productive in an offense that tells guys to just get open from time to time. It, it's kind of ridiculous. So when I evaluate DK, to me, it's important to evaluate the traits. For me, I see someone who's obviously, you know, big, fast, strong guy who wins routes early with great footwork. His footwork is very good. His handwork in his release is very impressive. Um, you know, I, I, he didn't run the full route tree at Ole Miss, as mentioned. But again, to me, it's, you know, I've never been a fan of knocking a guy for something that he didn't do because maybe he wasn't asked to do it. So really scout the traits. Do I think he's capable of running a full route tree? Yes, I think I've seen all the tools there that are going to translate and help, and help him become a complete route runner. He's not one now because he wasn't asked to be. But I think he can be, you know, rare accelerator for his size, very explosive, strong hands, uh, you know, can make those contested catches, very good in traffic, very good after the catch for his size as well, by the way, can make something happen, yards after catch guy. Very physical. I'm a big fan. I really am. I, you know, throughout this whole process, even if those pictures didn't surface online, even if he didn't, you know, have the most insane combine with the 40 and everything, to me, regardless, he's a guy. He would be my receiver one, pretty much. Uh, you know, almost no. You know, in spite of whatever he did at the combine, as long as it wasn't terrible, he was always going to be my receiver one. All right, so we go from the 6'4", 220 guy to the 5'9", 166-pound guy. Uh, Marquise Brown is a guy that, that seems to have spiked late in this process. Uh, I, I believe the medicals have, have come back good on, on that foot. Uh, had Liz Frank Liz Frank injury uh, earlier in the process that, that held him out of the combine. And, and maybe I'm just too close to the Taewon Taylor situation. But smaller <laughs> receivers just they, they really scare me. And then you throw in the, this foot injury, um, I would be absolutely terrified to take him at 19. What's your take on Marquise Brown? Yeah, I mean, I get where you're coming from. He's not, you know, I think we'd all probably warm up to it if they took him at 19. He's obviously a very exciting 
uh, player with the ability to change the game in a heartbeat, you know, and obviously with today's NFL, those guys are valued today more than ever. You know, we're, you know, the NFL today is all about passing the ball as many times as you can and scoring as many points as you can and making as many explosive plays as you can. I mean, we can go back to last year, you know, it didn't work out for them, but all Matt LaFleur talked about in, in the offseason was creating explosive plays, creating plays that go for 20 yards or more. Titans were obviously very poor in that area. I think they created uh, some of the fewest plays that went for 20 yards or more uh, across the league. So here's a guy who could, you know, fix that in a hurry. Obviously, the size is very concerning, very tiny guy, um, you know, almost, um, it's hard to compare him to anyone, right? What he weighed in at the Combine, we haven't seen many receivers come in around that weight. The closest would have been Deshaun Jackson, and I think that's a very good comparison. And, I mean, if I told you, you know, 10 years ago or whatever, that Deshaun Jackson would be as productive as he's been, you'd have no problem taking him at 19, I'd imagine. So here's a guy who, you know, what I, what I love about Hollywood is, you know, despite him being a little bit smaller, and obviously it's going to become a little bit harder for him to do at the next level, but he stays very clean for his press. He's not a guy that you put on the tape in. You don't see a lot of reps where he was dominated physically. You don't see a lot of reps where a quarterback was able to take him out of the play because he's undersized. He stays very clean versus press, and I think I highlighted what play in, in one of the mocks I just did at Music City Miracles in the receiver in every round scenario I did. I highlighted a play where, where if you don't get your hands on him right off the snap, you're in big trouble. If you can't jam him at the line and slow him down, you're going to have a real hard time keeping up with him. You know, he obviously accelerates a hurry. His burst is incredible. Like, the, the ability to stay clean is what's big to me because that, sort of, that sort of calms me down a little when I'm thinking about the size concerns. Because if he can stay clean, he's gone. And, you know, very explosive, obviously, very elusive, lined up everywhere. The speed, you know, we don't even have to get into that. We know the kind of speed he is, the vertical threat that he is. You know, he's not Taewon Taylor. You know, there's a reason people were, you know, and I was a big Taewon fan, but there was a reason Taewon was viewed as a third, fourth-round pick, whereas Hollywood's being viewed as a first-round pick. So I think there's a big difference. I don't think what they're, they're not similar at all, in my opinion. Obviously, the key for Hollywood is we'd like to see him add weight without sacrificing too much of his explosiveness, without sacrificing too much of his, uh, of his oh. speed. So it's not my favorite scenario at 19, don't get me wrong, but I have a feeling if that's where the Titans go, you know, because he's so exciting, you know, people will warm up to it pretty quickly. All right, coming up, we will finish up our conversation about the Titans and the offensive side of the ball in the draft. Okay, so we've talked about kind of those guys at the top of the draft, first-round guys. I am going to be a little bit surprised if they take a wide receiver at 19 just because of the, just the amount that they've invested in the receiver position in the draft, how young that room is, all that kind of stuff. Um, so that being said, give us a few guys like day two, maybe early day three guys that you see that could come in and could help this offense out. At receiver or just in general? At receiver, yeah. At receiver. Okay, well, first I'll mention the local guy, Emmanuel Hall uh, from Missouri, born in Franklin, Tennessee, um, was a guy who, unfortunately, I was ex- exchanging text messages with him today. He had to cancel a workout with the Titans due to strep throats. He was supposed to work out for them on the 12th, but uh, didn't end up making it due. He was down for the count with strep. But here's a guy who, again, if they're kind of looking to get more explosive, more dynamic, and faster at receiver, here's someone who fits the bill. He's an incredibly explosive player. He sort of has that gear you're looking for. Um, it sort of becomes a difference maker in whether he can separate or not. He has that gear to separate. He's got terrific uh, body control, ton of tough uh, catches on tape. 
Uh, one of my issues with him is drops have been a bit of an issue. Bit of a body double, body catcher, double catcher has been an issue. He's a long strider, and I think he's got, again, another guy similar to what I said about DK. Missouri didn't ask him to run a full route tree, but I think the tools are there for him to just get better and better in that area. Very elusive, very good releaser. If you haven't watched the tape against Wyoming, for anyone listening, I would put that on. If you watch him against Wyoming, he was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, moving on, another guy, one of my... One of my favorite receivers in this draft, or one of my favorite, you know, day three receivers in this draft is Keyshawn Johnson. He's a guy out of Fresno State. I'm a huge fan of his, you know, not really an explosive athlete per se, but here's someone that I think is going to be very good at the next level because he's a technician. I really think receiver is one of the more difficult positions, uh, you know, when you're making the transition from college to the pros. You can get someone who's a technician who's already a very good route runner, you know, doesn't have any wasted movement in what he does with his feet or his hands off the line. Um, you know, very, very refined in that area, very nuanced. You know, here on the opposite side of, you know, DK and Emmanuel, he did run a full route tree at Fresno State, and he was very good doing it. I don't think he's going to get drafted super early. He's not a great athlete by the NFL standards, but very good route runner, catches everything. Fresno State put him at every spot at receiver, and he played them all effectively. Um, I'm a big fan of his game. Reminds me a lot of Kenny Galladay coming out. I think, you know, Galladay got knocked and went a little later because he wasn't the greatest athlete. But we've seen how effective Galladay's been right from the jump. I get the same feel from Keyshawn. He's, he's a guy, if I had to hang my hat on someone who's going to outperform their draft position, then Keyshawn is my number one choice of anyone in this draft. Same train of thought for me. I think Jimmy and I both think that the Titans have to come out of the first two days with an offensive lineman that they feel can can start at right guard. Who's if you don't take one at 19, who's a guy that you can find on day two? You know, maybe it's a tackle that you can kick inside. Who's a guy that you feel comfortable with plugging into that starting role? Yeah, a guy who I would absolutely love to see them consider at 51 if he's still around and they don't get 19 is Michael Dider, left guard from Wisconsin. Uh, here's a guy who I think is a plug-and-play starter from day one. Uh, very experienced guy. You know, you mentioned you know someone you can move around. Well, Wisconsin, he played center, guard, and tackle for them. You know, <laughs> he played tackle in 2017, and they moved him to guard in 2018. I thought he was better at guard uh, than he was at tackle. Very mobile guy, you know. I think he was listed at 6'6", six, six, uh, around 320, but he's very mobile for his size, moves around excellently, did a lot, of, you know, Wisconsin asked him to pull a lot, get to this level, and he did that very, very well. He's a strong guy, uh, very powerful, he's a bully, you know, that's how I kind of define him, he's a bully, especially when he reaches uh, the second level. One concern with him, uh, similar to Bradbury, would be the arm length. I think there are some concerns there, but to me, he's someone who can start immediately, day one, um, you know, whether you get him at 51 or even a little bit later, I think he's a guy who can start for the Titans at right guard. Uh, if I had to go with another, I, I don't think I've mentioned him yet, but Nate Davis out of Charlotte. You talked about a guy outside, you're going to kick inside. This is a kid who right tackle for Charlotte last year, but is certainly going to play guard at the next level. He told me he'd be playing guard, actually, so there's no question on where he's going to fit. Um, here's a guy who I think is going to go earlier than people think. I think he's a top 100 guy. Uh, very powerful guy. May not be as great of a fit scheme-wise for the Titans. I think he might be a better gap power guy. But Charlotte did run a little zone, and he did look quite comfortable in that as well. Generates a lot of power in the run game. He's a mauler. Excellent leg drive. Uh, excuse me. Uh, definitely going again. Definitely going to be a guard at the next level. Very powerful punch. I think the anchor needs some work. It's not as strong uh, as it could be, but very good player. He's a guy who I think could be available in the third round. 
who I think would have potential to start on one. All right, good stuff as always. Again, we have been joined by Justin Mello at Justin M underscore NFL on Twitter. Uh, make sure you tune in tomorrow. We are going to have part two of our conversation with Justin Mello where we talk more about the defensive side of the draft. So check that out again. Subscribe to the show, Locked on Titans, if you haven't done that yet. That way you'll have that episode as soon as it's available. Justin, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Yeah, pleasure as always, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And you can follow him on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. Uh, you can also find his big boards, mock drafts, a lot of his interviews, all that stuff at com. So you can check that out there. So for Terry and Justin, this is Jimmy saying thanks for listening to this edition of Locked On Titans. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network. But why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite college team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.